Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill of other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like, Jokic. That's your sitter. Wow. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverTheStiffs.com. You were listening to Nothing But Net Radio. It is 4 o'clock here in the Mile High City on another beautiful, beautiful weekend. We are, of course, talking Denver Nuggets and a little bit of NBA Finals in general. Uh, to do that t- t- today or this week, I am bringing in our good friend Daniel Lewis down in Littleton. Dan, what is happening, my man? Not a whole lot. I got to work earlier in the day, um, but I'm back home now and all rested up and ready for a fun radio show with you. There you go. There you go. I like I like the clarification too on a radio show. It makes me yeah. feel. It makes me feel. Probably more more important than I am, but that's okay. Um, I need this. Uh, all right. So if you've been listening to our radio show these past few weeks, you uh, you kind of know how we've been how we've been going through um, each week. We've been we've been doing our our uh, end of season evaluations on the Denver Nuggets individual players. We are pretty much at the end of it. We're going to go through the uh, the very last kind of few guys who have a. Um, an interesting storyline, which I think is going to be Devin Harris. Obviously, he was the midseason trade, so we'll kind of kind of take a little hindsight view back now at Devin Harris's trade. Um, we're going to talk about Kenneth Freed, man. Ever it's it's like it's just like uh, death taxes and Kenneth Freed trade rumors, right? Um, <laughs> it's he once again his, his name pops up uh, in a trade rumor this week. Uh, obviously with the NBA draft coming up, that's one of the hottest trade times of the year. So we'll talk a little bit about whether or not Freed is going to be on the block and whether or not the Nuggets would be willing to give up the 14th pick in the draft to move on from him and his, well, basically his contract. Uh, and then after, after we take a break, we will, we'll quickly break down Wancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley, kind of the, the forgotten sophomores, I guess, of, uh, of last season. And we'll talk a little bit about those guys and, and which one might have the bigger future, uh, in the Nuggets or, or with the Nuggets or even in, in the NBA in general. And if we get a little bit of time, I want, we have to talk about that game one of the NBA finals. That was crazy. Of course, game two coming up tonight and uh then we'll close it out with some nba finals trivia uh, if we get time to do that something tells me we're probably being a little more ambitious than we than we can hey I, i'm not gonna feel too bad if we don't get to that because i am <laughs> terrible at trivia i know that's uh, that's why i like to always put people on, <laughs> on the spot with these sort of things uh i didn't give the i didn't give dan the rundown until until like about one minute before we went on so um uh, he pretty much, he pretty much had no idea he was coming into NBA Finals trivia this time. 
but let's not uh, let's let's make sure let's get to right to business. No more delaying. We want to make sure we get to it. Uh, so let's start into our into this final round of breakdowns. Dan, first, I'm gonna say I'm sorry. So I'll let you get your thoughts in first. Um, Tyler Lydon, if you what what would, yeah what are the list? I was a little disappointed. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I I am the president of the Tyler Lydon fan club. So I, I do feel like I can give a fair assessment of his season. Uh, I mean, it, it was really terrible to see him get injured and suffer a knee injury down in the in the G League. Right. Um, but it wasn't like he was going to be playing for the Nuggets any time this season because right. you know, the the front office has made it pretty much impossible for for him to see minutes at any, either of the two positions he could play. But uh, I mean, I, from a Pretty much anyone's perspective, you could say that the the trade for for you know Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles and the pick that would become Tyler Lydon uh, really did not work out for Denver. But in like part of that is because Tyler Lydon played two minutes, you know, enough. He played literally only to ruin any chance that he had of winning rookie of the year his sophomore year <laughs> i noticed that you pointed that out on twitter i was like man that is that does suck like two yeah. two lousy garbage minutes oh and that ruins yeah. it for him he, he he had a he stopped in blew his nose and then went back down to the g league and tore his meniscus um so i i do think though that he could be a player someday i mean it I, Stranger things have happened, right. but uh, and he, can he, shoot. he can shoot. He can shoot, and he is fairly athletic. Right. People, you know, they 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 judge him because he's a skinny white dude from upstate New York, and you know he's more likely to be playing Fortnite than he is to be in the gym. <laughs> but like, he's actually a pretty good athlete, and I think he's got a pretty good basketball IQ. He was on the USA um, teams when he was a teenager, and. He was pretty good at Syracuse. You know, he's smart enough to play in Jim Baham's zone as a freshman and a sophomore. Right. So I, I do think he can play. Um, will he ever play for the Nuggets? Uh, maybe not more than like two or five minutes, which is more time than – is less time than we've been talking about him. But <laughs> um, I, I, I just – I wish that we could – I hope we get to see more – like we will see more of him in – summer league and in training camp. But I'm interested to see how he does in summer league because he's one of those guys I feel like could kind of just sneak up on people. Right. Um, he's also one of those guys that he could be playing in Europe he in a year. Totally flame out, yeah. I could see that either way. And that's kind of why, like, I next season I have pretty much no expectation um, for Tyler Lydon just because, like, uh, he's going to come off this injury. You would expect he's going to be back in the G League again to start. Um uh, I mean, there's still going to be Paul Millsap still going to be on the team. Trey Lau still going to be on the team. Juancho Hernan Gomez likely. I mean, who knows? Obviously, Nuggets could do a trade, um, do a trade, and maybe one of those, one or even two of those guys in on the on the roster. Where Kenneth Fareed, uh, you would expect Darrell Arthur. I mean, all these all these power forwards still, in all likelihood, at least at this point, would have um, contracts with the team next season as well. So it's. It's hard to see somewhere where Tyler Lydon's going to get any time. Now, it would be nice. I mean, it would be nice, it really, if if he could give you an opportunity to to maybe replace what uh, what Trey Lyles is giving you right now. Um, that would that would be good. But I think it, it's at this point. I, I mean, like I said, I just don't. I just don't have. I have zero expectations from him, and that's not so, negative either. It's just that's just what it is. I think one of the two of the biggest days of his life are the first two games of summer league. Because summer league starts, I think like the first or second, like really, really early in July this year, Las Vegas summer league starts. And if he goes down there and he shows out and he gets like twenty five and ten with like three blocks, you're gonna be like, what the crap? Where did Tyler Lydon come from? <laughs> right. But that would be the oper- the time to try to trade Trey Lyles to someone. Yep. To be like, holy crap, Tyler Lydon can play. And Trey Lyles is only going to have one. He's only going to have one year left on his contract. Right. And he'd be the guy that's blocking, 
you know, well, he's the guy that's blocking Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Wancho is the guy that's blocking Trail Owls <laughs> from the third backup power forward spot. Um, but like, if if Tyler Lydon can play, if he has a couple of good games in summer league, you might want to look and be like, go to these other teams and be like, hey, look, you struck out in free agency trying to get a good player at power forward. How about you send us a 2020 first round lottery protected pick, a second round pick, you know, in 2019, and we'll give you tra- and and you get Trey Lyles. How about you? you? You have a year to you have a year to let him go through training camp, play for your team, and then you decide whether or not you want to match his his contract, you know, or give him an extension in, in free agency. Like, you know, basically, you know, just giving another team a chance to see what. What, what they have before they offer him a contract. Right. And uh, that that could be a way to try to get an asset. But if he goes to Summer League and he misses five three-pointers, gets two rebounds, gets destroyed by, like, Marvin Bagley or someone, you're just like, what? Ugh, whatever. Like, Tim Connolly, like, what the heck were you thinking? Drafting, like, a seventh stretch power forward for a team that already has six. Like, right. Such a dumb, such a dumb, uneducated pick. Like you're, you're, you're a terrible GM. What were you thinking? Like, you know, then then we can say stuff like that on Twitter and. You know, <laughs> I will allow you to say that on Twitter. I will probably not. Um, yeah, be such I'm, a direct approach. I'll be far. I'll be far away. There's nothing they can do to me. <laughs> Dan is. Dan is planning on bringing in the fire uh, based on Tyler Lydon's summer league performance. I don't know, man. I uh, like I, I said, have to come to bat to my guy. There, there you go. There you go. I guess. <laughs> I guess. All right. Well, I'm going to move Lydon, it on. The Lydon militia needs to organize. This is... <laughs> Get him some playing time. Oh, jeez. Like I said, I just it's it's tough. It's tough to see a path, uh, but but it does happen. You know what? I mean, we saw it last season. Paul Millsap gets hurt. Uh, that's how Trey Lyles gets his opportunity. He was not playing um, to start the season. So, uh, they're, they're, if anything, we've seen that there's there's going to be there's usually going to be an opportunity as long as you're somewhere as long as you're not like the fifth backup power forward. Um, all right, let's move on to let's move on to Devin Harris because I think out of all the uh, Devin Harris is really the only guy we have left who actually you could say was like a rotation player. Um, on the team, but of course he only really plays for what, like a, a little bit more than a quarter of the season, maybe about a third of the season with the team because of the trade deadline uh, is when when he was picked up. I anybody who follows me knows I was a uh, a huge huge Devin Harris booster, uh, and had pretty much said that was the trade the Nuggets needed to make was to trade Emmanuel Mudiay for Devin Harris. Now I figured they would trade Emmanuel Mudiay to um, to Dallas, but uh, instead, of course, he went to New York. Um, Dan, I mean, now, now you can look back on it and it's, uh, you know, you're, you're get the benefit of hindsight. When you look at that trade, how do you, I mean, how do you kind of grade it, uh, overall? Is it, is it a win for Denver? Did they lose it? Is it kind of just a, a wash or a, uh, or is it just kind of like, eh? Um, I think it's a loss for Denver, but it's only because they waited too long to trade Emmanuel Moody. Um, they they knew in training camp that Emmanuel Moody was bad, um, and they tried to save face by just hoping that lightning would strike, you know, like a big bang kind of thing, and life would be created. And Emmanuel Moody would suddenly figure out how to make decisions, uh, intelligent decisions on a basketball court, but he yeah he, he showed no signs of doing that, and uh, to take the number seven pick in the draft three years later and to flip him into a like how old's Devin Harris? Thirty five expiring contract. Right? How old is he? Yeah, oh yeah, thirty five. He was thirty four <laughs> years old last season. Um thirty four year old expiring contract point guard. It's just like, ah oh, man, we we already had Jameer Nelson, like what were we doing? You know right, right, he basically yeah. traded Manuel Mooney for the chance to lose Jameer Nelson. So <clears throat> that wasn't a very good trade. They should have traded him at the beginning of the season and tried to get a draft asset out of it because you know they, they went for that veteran point guard and then they still missed the playoffs. So right. it didn't really work out. Yeah, that's that's like the hard part for me to look at this trade too. Like I said, I was a big Devin Harris booster and I thought Devin I thought well, I mean, 
at, at the beginning of the year, or not the beginning of the year, but when he first came to the team, one thing that I think that even I overlooked uh, was that he, when he was with Dallas, he wasn't playing the point guard position. So it actually it, it took some time for him to kind of get back, uh, get acclimated back to playing that position, along with playing with the new team, playing here in Denver. Um, but there, towards the end of the season, I did think he he started to click and actually was playing pretty well, especially with uh, Nikola Jokic. Um, but, but, the, but in the, end, in the end, it, it's, um, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's all for a wash because you, you end up missing the playoffs. And the thing about Emmanuel Moutier is even though he was still, or, or he was, he was not, not good and wasn't playing well for, for the Nuggets at all. And, and, you know, and he, he didn't really play well for the Knicks either, but he still is under control. He's under team control. That's an asset that you would still control. Uh, moving forward, whereas with Devin Harris, uh, you don't. He's he's now a, a an unrestricted free agent, so it's it's hard to look at that as a win uh, when you look back at it. Like I I don't disagree with the trade they made, but um, it ultimately it ultimately it, just doesn't work out for them. In in a vacuum, the trade that they made to get Devin Harris, um, it's a fi- It was a good. That's a good trade for Denver. If you're just looking at it purely from like a statistical, how to impact winning, Devin Harris is a better player than Emmanuel Moutier. Right. Um, but you know, you look at Emmanuel Moutier's pedigree. You, you can you can criticize the Nuggets for not making the trade sooner, uh, for not getting a draft asset in return, even if it's just the second, right, you know, like a bottom right. ten pick in the draft. Right. Like they they waited too long. They they didn't get enough back. And the trade that they made didn't help, you know, for a second year in a row, the midseason trade that they made for a veteran did not help them make the playoffs. So it doesn't make you feel very confident about their ability to do that in the future, um, to to add a veteran that helps improve their playoff, you know, their odds of success for the playoffs or for making the playoffs. Right. Right, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, if, if if they were depending just solely on Devin Harris to get to the playoffs, that they were, they were probably probably had bigger bigger issues there. Which, um, I mean, they needed a backup point guard. And right, Manny right. Moody was one of the I, worst I, players in the league. Right. <laughs> I mean, if not, I mean, well, I think probably by some stats, probably was rated as as the worst. But I mean, it, it's just like I said, because because there, there was no payoff. Uh, and I guess now, so I guess the only thing you, you look forward to is maybe, Dan, I mean, the, you could potentially re-sign uh, Devin Harris if you need a backup point guard, which I could I could potentially see the Nuggets doing, but that's only if they basically have, I mean, you know, they run out of other options or they, they, they use well, what little yeah. flexibility they have to get other guys and they can get him back on a minimum, uh, which I assume that's what Devin Harris is getting signed for no matter where he goes. So would it... Yeah, part- Part of the issue there is that they don't have his bird rights, so they can't go. They either have to use an exception, the mid-level or the biannual exception, to resign him. I think they or, do have his. No, I think they do have his bird rights because they traded for him, and he was with Dallas for like what, like four years in a row. But it's two different contracts. All right. I'm Anyways, gonna, I was like, I'm gonna <laughs> trust you on that one. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, uh yeah, we're bringing back Devin Harris, like. Ah, <laughs> uh, get excited! Buy season tickets. <laughs> He's a one-time all-star. Oh, jeez, way to go, guys! Like, really excited for the next season. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how we, the the scenario in which I can see him coming back is that, like, okay, so uh, I don't know. The Nuggets, the Nuggets end up doing some some trades or whatever. They, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I could see the scenario where uh, they. They re-signed Will Barton. Um, maybe they they make they make some moves. They give up some, some uh, either the draft pick or, or future draft picks to uh, get off of off of a contract or two, uh, and then and then basically be like, well, we have we have very minimal money left that we could use a biannual exception, for example, um, or a veteran minimum. Uh, let's and, and let's be sign honest Devin though, like. That. Because he's still out there. Because who else is signing Devin Harris? I guess is the thing. Do you, I mean, unless he's going back to Dallas, where else is he going to go? I don't know. I I think the Nuggets, if they could, they would sign Will Barton twice 
so that they could sign a point guard, Will Barton, a small forward, Will yeah, Barton, and maybe even a third time <laughs> as a backup shoot, like uh, shooting guard. So you just have three Will Bartons off the bench. They'd be they'd be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, that's all it's going to take for for them is a little bit of cloning of Will Barton. Um, barring that, though, uh, barring that, they're yeah. going to have to make some moves in the trade uh, in the trade market. Uh, which brings us to our next subject of Kenneth Fareed, who is the the subject of the latest trade rumors. What was it? Adrian Wojnarowski said. I think he said it right on his like. Um, was it, on, it was like an ESPN show? I think. Yeah, it was like I was like on an ESPN show, and he said that uh, the Nuggets are trying to. Move, it's really not news at all. You know, the Nuggets are trying to move off Kenneth Freed's contract. Uh, everybody knows that. That's been pretty much like I said. He's pretty much been in trade rumors ever since he signed that contract. Um, and uh, maybe they'll use the 14th round pick. That's also uh, fairly obvious speculation because that's clearly one of the, uh, the or that's one of the assets the Nuggets have, and obviously clearly probably the best asset they have right now, given that it's uh, the draft is merely weeks away. So, if but I want to start with this when it, when it comes to talking about Kenneth Freed, Dan. He's still, I mean, he's still got a lot, a lot of basketball left in him. Uh, do you think that if, if simply all he needs is to just be get like a change of scenery, uh, go somewhere else where maybe there's just not a log jam of five power forwards, uh, and 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 just get playing time, and he's still going to be a useful player in the NBA? I do not think so. No, <laughs> I, I think he. he his career is basically over. He might be able to sign a one-year, like, hey, let's prove and see, let's see if you can actually play contract. But I think his career has basically gone the way of like Reggie Evans, uh, who no longer is in the NBA. I don't think Kenneth Freed is going to be. He might stick around for another two or three seasons after his current contract ends, but I think he's pretty much done in the NBA. Wow, that's it's so crazy to think about that because it's like it's not when he he signs that contract coming off of um, a huge a, kind of like a a big performance. It's why it's why you can't trust international basketball at all when it comes to like talent evaluation. It's a totally totally different scenario than the NBA. At least I, let, let me rephrase because I, that's not true. I think you can you can judge how good Luka Doncic, for example, is uh, quite well off of international basketball. It's why you can't, but national team basketball so stuff like the olympics or the the world the world cup of basketball or uh, the america's tournament any, anything like that it's a lot harder because the the talent gaps between the teams are so much bigger uh, especially when it comes to the americans so he looks amazing though or, or in that uh in that um setting where he's also playing with a bunch of other star players um yeah, it turns out he looks really good playing next to Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, right, right, and right, Kevin Durant and um, uh, like Clay Thompson, yeah. Steph Curry, yeah, <laughs> right. But uh, it's kind of interesting, and now and now it's like, yeah, you wonder if he's going to be back. See, I I don't know. I think there it's a matter of I just like I said, it's got it has to be the right situation. It's got to be a coach who's got to know how to utilize him because there I, I think there is things that that Freed offers. Um, that, that are still useful in today's NBA, particularly just because the difference between him and Reggie Evans is Reggie Evans was you know, near, not nearly the fast break threat um, and the, you know, the, the leak out and the, the alley-oop uh, threat that Farid is that he can, if he can, he's got to expand his game though, to be able, able to move off the ball better than he has. And I think he's learned that some of that with just playing with Nicole Jokic. And if he can continue to do that, I think there's, there's a potential he can carve out a role for him. I don't think he's ever going to be uh, like a starting power forward or kind of, you know, or a, a major core piece of a team. I think he could end up being maybe like an NBA journeyman. Uh, but I do think he has a he has an opportunity uh, to get to find a, a, a role and a career um, in the NBA. Um, I, I don't. Think, I think part of the problem is he's a six eight power forward. Who refuses to play center? Right. Uh, he's he's never set a physical screen in his life. He's always slipping screens and diving to the rim because that's what George Carl taught him how to do, and that's where he was really good. It was in the George Carl offense. So he he just refuses to adapt to different situations. He's stuck 
you know, being he's stuck in that mindset of this is what made me a star. This is what made me a fan favorite. This is what got me paid. And I'm not going to do anything different. And uh, he has to, if he wants to, you know, continue to play in the NBA, he has to adapt. And over the entire length of his contract with the Nuggets, he has failed to do that. He has failed to adapt. Right. It is. I mean, it's true. And, and you're right. That's it's it, whether it's whether it's becoming a better off the ball uh, player, whether it's um, learning, you know, developing a better a better shooting stroke, uh, which guys do. I mean, you look at a guy like Darrell Arthur, who obviously at this point in his career, he also also is pretty much um, looking at, 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 you know, being at the back end of it. Um, but, but he, he, he was a guy who pretty much did not shoot threes to start his career. Uh, by the end of it, that was kind of his, uh, his kind of like last selling point was that he was, he was sort of a stretch four. um, Fareed might be a guy who's going to be similar. Cause that's the thing too. I mean, he will, as he gets older, that athleticism that I was saying that makes him different from a guy like Reggie Evans, that will start to fade. Uh, it does to everybody. So he's going to have to find a way to, to, you know, expand his game um, to last in the NBA. And you're right. We have not seen that yet from him. He has been well, uh, just like, what he is, a rim runner and a rebounder. I, I watched the Houston Golden State series in the conference finals. Like, and I'm watching PG Tucker out there at six foot five, just with that like bulldog mentality, right. um, just battling right. as a small ball center. And I'm like, the only difference between him and Freed is that, you know, some of the differences are that Freed is a way better rebounder, um, has the has more explosive athleticism. He doesn't have the bulk, and Freed can't shoot three pointers, but like. Freed should be able to do everything that PG Tucker does, except for space the floor as a three-point shooter. But he's a way better vertical threat, you know. And like the thing that's stopping him from being that good of a defender um, and that physical of a rebounder that would that would make him a small ball five is, you know, his commitment to improving and adapting. Right. Like he he could be a monster in that kind of a role. He also for some team. He but also he, could... he just hasn't been able to do that. I'd say, I mean, he also could be a guy who could be incredibly versatile too if he can just. I mean, he has the lateral quickness uh, and the strength to also defend uh, the bigger small forwards. I remember, uh, you know, when back when George he, George Carl was still the coach and, and the Nuggets uh, uh, and or Fareed was a, a regular part of the Nuggets rotation uh, when they played the 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 Heat, I guess at the time, or the Cavaliers, whoever it was that LeBron James was on, and they were crucial you know, game fourth quarter inning moments. That's who George Carl would put on LeBron James because he knew that's the only player who had the physical, you know, the physical attributes to match a player like that. Like uh, you think about a guy like Paul George, Kenneth Freed is a guy who could match the physical attributes of of Paul George. And it's just that he, he doesn't, you know, being, being any sort of perimeter defender and stuff is not something that he focuses on or seems to focus on. Um, as part of his game, and it's again another thing that he either he can choose to adapt to for and and, and become better at, or well, or you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be harder and harder for him to find a spot uh, in the NBA. Mo- let's move on, uh, kind of a little bit to the discussion more. To I guess let me ask you this on it, Dan. So now, obviously, the Nuggets, as as we kind of said, it's a fairly obvious rumor that they would be trying to get off of his contract and have been. Uh, for some time, they ha- have that 14th pick in the draft. Would you would you pay that? Would you pay it straight up to some team? You say I will trade you the 14th pick uh, and Kenneth Fareed for cash considerations. I would not do that trade. Uh, I would want to. I'd want to do a pick swap um, with a team like Atlanta, um, and get a pick back if it's. Not a first round pick, then it, you know a second, a high second round pick. But I, right. sorry, I think you have to get something back for Kenneth Freed. Um, I, 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 I know this is something that you and I disagree about, but I think it's impossible to trade him um, without attaching a draft asset. And uh, the Nuggets, they're they're at too much too much risk of going over the luxury tax. And it's it's fine if you're going over the luxury tax for rotation players, for players that are actually 
making a positive difference to your team. But you cannot go over the luxury tax because you're paying people to sit on the bench in suit clothes that are not injured. So right. that's the situation there with Kenneth Freed. Right. Well, uh, I, I would I would give up the 14th pick to answer your question um, for for another pick in return, but not just a straight a straight the, salary. Gotcha. Okay. Now the, the, and that's fair. Um, I do. I the thing like like you said, we somewhat disagree on it. Is that I. I it's not that I don't think that they don't have to attach draft set. I just don't know. Like you said, I don't know that they have to attach the 14th pick uh, to get off of him. Uh, and, and, and I don't – because the luxury tax isn't isn't calculated until the end of the year, um, I don't know that they, they have to feel the pressure to get off of him with, with the, this draft during this period. Uh, but it, it is a gamble, certainly, because then you're – You've got you've got until the trade deadline to figure something out. And yeah, the Nuggets have classically over a barrel, right? They've <laughs> they've not done well when they've done that when they've had to. You think of a guy like the Yusuf Nurk trade that didn't really work out all that well for them, um, and and it, it's one what, they kind of held on to him too long. One one option they could explore as well is stretching food, um, which would cost them like six and a half million, seven million over dollars a season, right? Um, because he just has, they would stretch him when he has just one year left, you know. So then at the pan for two years, but you know that's that's spending a, a a pretty good chunk of money, you know, for a guy to literally not be on your team. Just not be so um, that that is one option to help them save a little bit of money, but it's it's the worst option I think on the table. Well, it's one of the worst options on the table. The worst option is you know adding more salary. <laughs> right, and right. trading the 14th pick and free to get like some like Kent Bazemore who who could be a rotation piece, but you're just adding two more years of like a high salary. It's like, oh, geez, what are you, what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> yeah, you'd have to, man. If you're if you're picking up Kent Bazemore, you have to get off somebody else's salary um, as well. And the hard part about it though is too is like. Uh, it, it, yeah, that would be terrible to pick up a guy like Baysmore because here's the thing is even all the salary, the the Kenneth Reed uh, and Darrell Arthur, another guy who you might end up having to pay who's not going to play on your team. Even a guy like Wilson Chandler who if he opts in um, is is probably going to get minutes and he's going to be part of your rotation, um, but he's not going to be a uh, – you're not going to be happy about paying him $12 plus million dollars a season. Um <clears throat> All those guys don't come off the books next season. Like they all come off the books, and then suddenly you have your your flesh with uh, with some cash cap space and can make some moves. Um, really, and then you've got the big the biggest card you could even get off Paul Millsap if you wanted to, and pretty much reset your cap space. But uh, if you pick up a guy like Baysmore, now you're now you're there. You're you're with him with uh, signed as long as you are with Mason Plumley. So suddenly you've got. Uh, and obviously Gary Harris, and then you would assume at this point Nikola Jokic, and then <clears throat> Jamal Murray. Is, that's when you're looking at his extension. So suddenly you're uh, you're right back up against it against so yeah, it. I think that would be a tough. I think tough the, contract. I think they. I think the thing they have to hope for the most is that a team like Washington drafts someone at 15 or trade, you know, makes a trade and gets a ton of assets, and then one of their draft picks just hits, and they think, you know what? Auto Porter is expendable, and they flip Auto Porter to the Nuggets for something like, hey, like, hey, we just want to clear out a bunch of cap space, and we're doing that by trading Auto Porter for like Freed, Chandler, and yes. Arthur, that and way. like twenty nine, a twenty nineteen first, and that that would be a great trade because a good player that can play small forward, he's going to be part of the rotation for. Right, next, fits your you timeline. Five, six years, a good veteran, a guy that you know can defend and knock down threes, and the, that's just the Wizards being like, "Hey, we got this younger guy that we're only paying two million dollars a season, that we feel can give us seventy percent of what you know Otto Porter is doing." But then in free agency at <clears throat> next season, you know we're going to be losing Marcin Gortat. You know we we got all these salary things cleared off. And we're going to make a run at some free agent, you know, but. Uh, change. <laughs> yeah. If LeBron Maybe. opts in, there you go. That would, that actually would be, that would be kind of interesting. You know, the other thing is don't, don't the, the wizards kind of already have that guy in Kelly Oubre. 
Um, yeah, maybe they could be like, hey, we want to pay Kelly Oubre. Like, like know, half of like, like, or like $60 million over four years. But we, if we do that and we have Otto Porter, then that's too expensive. So they, right. they could explore something like that. But that, that would be where the Nuggets would benefit from not trading Fareed at the trade deadline, you know, and, or, you know, keeping or at, at the draft, I should say, um, right. not trading Kenneth Fareed at the draft and being like, hey, we'll put you these expiring contracts for Otto Porter. You can re-sign um, Kelly Oubre and, you know, then, then once those salaries come off your book, off your books, you've got twenty-two million dollars you can spend on in free agency on some guy. Right, right, yeah, and I. There, that's an interesting idea. That, uh, that's that's a, you know, that's a real shot in the dark, but something right. like that could, you know, could show up, materialize. That was the word I was looking for. Materialize. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Solid, solid vocab. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll let, let's go ahead and let's hit a break. Uh, and then when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit about Wancho and Malik Beasley. Um, and then we'll see, we're, we'll still see if we get a little time for at least to talk about uh, the NBA finals, uh, game one there, that crazy game one against from Cleveland and, uh, Golden State. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back in, everybody, to the Pickaxe Punnett Show. I'm Zach Mikosh, DenverSys.com. We're here with Dan Lewis. We spent the first half breaking down the seasons of Devin Harris, Kenneth Reed. Got a little Tyler Lydon talk in there, um, which I know Dan was Dan must have been stoked for. Um, now for the for the second half, I want to keep it going so we can kind of put a put a bow on these on these player evaluations. So I guess the only two players we actually really won't get to are Richard Jefferson and. Darrell Arthur, uh, which there's not much to break down there. <laughs> yeah, they, they 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 played a couple. They played more minutes than Ty Lighting, but we're not going to talk about them at all. <laughs> Veteran leadership, done. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Congrats to Darrell Arthur on having a kid and becoming a dad. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's, a, that's a great thing. That we is. should be applauded for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, two guys though who uh who are you know, at least you you someone at hope. I mean they're they're first first round picks and not even like late first rounders. They're both I think both in the teens, right? Uh, yeah. Wancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley. Kind of like we were we we were talking a little bit about um how you know you pick up three. I think we were talking about this before we got on the show, but how how a team can pick up like three draft picks uh when they're trying to rebuild. Uh, like, like you're talking kind of like how Atlanta is kind of sitting in that spot right now. Um, last year, if you think the Sacramento Kings did that and the year before that, uh, it was the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray has obviously become a big part of, of the Nuggets future, but, but Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, both, neither one of those guys had, had a sophomore, uh, 
you know, you, you think about a guy like Gary Harris, right, who had a similar type season to what Wancho and Malik had uh, their rookie seasons. But then you look at what he did his sophomore year compared to um, what Wancho and Malik did their sophomore years. And, it, and it, you kind of feel like, all right, if that was the bar, uh, both of those guys came in well under it. Uh, let me ask you this, Dan, what, if you had to say, which one is it to you that's more disappointing that they weren't able to crack the regular rotation? I think it's Malik Beasley, um, because with Wancho, at least he had the excuse that he had mono at the beginning of the season, and the Nuggets signed Paul Millsap and traded for Trey Lyles and had Wilson Chandler. Well, obviously, that goes without saying. (laughs) But um, with Wancho, he has injury and, like, rotation issues that helped prevent him from getting in the rotation. Like, you're going to play Paul Millsap over Wancho Hernan Gomez. You're gonna play Wilson Chandler over Wancho Hernan Gomez. Trey Lyles is even gonna get more, you know minutes. Right, he he earned them because Wancho had Wancho. mono. Right. Um, so you know that I can understand not being able to crack that rotation. That's not his fault. That's on Tim Connolly. Um, but Malik Beasley, like, well, it's well, a little okay, it, hold on, hold on, hold on. the the mono like, the mono part. Now you can't put that on Tim Connolly. Uh, no, no. I, I was talking just about the, the rotation. Oh. <laughs> but uh, with Blake Beasley, he, he actually got minutes, you know, and then he'd get out there and he'd be missing free throws and Will Barton's chewing him out like, hey, man, just make your free throws. Right, like, right. I remember Will that, Barton yeah. had plenty of opportunities to play small forward, uh, also to play po- point guard, but he wasn't playing backup shooting guard as often. Right. Um, that, that was an opportunity for Blake Beasley. And uh, I think... His inability to to make smart basketball decisions and to, to like really understand his role, and also then to take advantage of the opportunities. Like I feel like a lot of times he was he's either too aggressive or he was too scared to take a shot when he was open. Um, and then when he, you know, the downside was so that when he would take his shot, he'd miss. Right. So um, he, you know, I feel like if he had really like, you know, earned those minutes, he would have gotten more minutes in the rotation. And he would have been like a guy where they, like, Coach Miller can say, hey, you know what? We can give Malik Beasley 17 minutes a game. He can play, you know, sec- beginning of the second quarter, toward, you know, beginning of the fourth, end of the third, beginning of the fourth. And that can help, you know, we can focus then on Will Barton being the backup small forward, right. you know, instead of being, you know, the backup point guard, shooting guard, small forward. Like, that takes a lot of pressure off of Will Barton and probably helps him have a better season as well. And so him being unable to do that, I think, is more disappointing than Wancho, who can blame his stuff on trades and mono, which was his fault. Which was was his fault. Um, Allegedly. You never know. Um, We're not going to get into that. We all know how you get mono. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, but I tend to. I thought you, I think you make a great argument, uh, and I and I would wholeheartedly agree. Uh, it, it, he could not earn Beasley could not earn the trust uh, of Coach Malone, and because because he he just he didn't uh, when he like you said when he got his opportunities he just did not make the most of them uh, for, for a number of reasons, and and I thought yeah he could have been coach coach numerous times over the season kind of referenced having that short rotation and how it was uh, it was somewhat to, to their disadvantage when they, you know, he basically got down to what at some points playing basically seven guys uh, with basically only Will Barton. Um, and well, I think, and, and I, I guess Trey Lyles off the bench because, uh, you know, Mason Plumley um, would have, would have been starting at that point with Millsap out. Uh, and, and really the guy who sees those minutes instead of Malik Beasley, was was Tory Craig. So he, you know, Malik here's a first round pick, uh, and Tory Craig is is a guy who's um, you know, coming out of uh, coming out of Australia, <laughs> pl- playing in an Australian like, league uh, last year. He's on a two way contract. Australia. Yeah, exactly. Criminally underpaid. Um, uh, and, and and he's the one who ends up getting the minutes and making the most of them and earning coaches trust that that should have in you know Malik being that first round pick that's the guy you ex- expected uh, you expected to make that 
make that jump, and he didn't. So you're right. I think it's more disappointing because because Wancho is just so hard to see with the, with the injuries. Um, and, and again, like you said, the rotation issues. It's it's um, it's tough. I, I mean, Wancho, there is some disappointment there though, just because not because of like you said, really his fault, other than getting mono. Um, but <laughs> the, you know, you know what I mean. It's not like you look at that and you think, man, like. Uh, uh, I, I, you're you're disappointed, I guess, because just because he doesn't, um, you don't he doesn't get those minutes, and I think Wancho, you know, Wancho really showed something. Whereas a guy like Malik Beasley, who was a a 32% free throw or three point shooter last season or two seasons ago, and a, and a 34% last season, I mean, Wancho shot 40% his rookie season. That was something you looked at and said, okay, maybe that's something you can build on if you can shoot 40% from the three point line in the NBA. Generally, that means you can play in the NBA. Uh, you can find a find a spot. And, and and so with Wancho, it's just disappointing because he doesn't end up uh, getting a chance to build on that for the reasons you pointed out. I think that's that's the tougher side of it. I also look I, at it when I say I think that, though, that's why I think Wancho is the guy when you look at it, there's more hope for him to become uh, a part of the Nuggets core if, if he can if he can find a way to crack the rotation. Whereas Malik Beasley kind of, to me, it's like I wonder, you know, he, I, I say I think Malik Beasley – being a guy who ends up not making it in the in the NBA NBA seems like a higher probability to me at this point. Yeah, I just don't know how you could watch Wancho's rookie season and think, man, you know what we need to do? Put three guys in front of him in the depth chart. Like, it just felt like he was a guy that needed more minutes. And I understand, you know, you, you can't plan on the injury of you know of him getting sick, but like, I also don't know how he didn't have the coaching staff's trust when he was back to full strength during the season, you know, so hopefully, you know, and and now next season, his third season, he has one more year left on his contract after this, you know, well, I say he has two more years on his contract, one more year after Trey Lyles leaves, but like what he's probably not going to get very many minutes this season either, which is a real shame because right. I, I think, I think Wancho can play and it, it's just really sad to think, you know, like he's probably going to get traded somewhere and shine for them and be like, wow, we we just traded away a good player again. Right. Again. Right. Yeah, I would, I would hate, man, I would hate to see them do that. If they, like, Wancho's a guy to me right now, he doesn't cost you much, so you might as well hold on to him because I, I think, I tend to think is where, where you're right, like, at least right now, especially at Power Forward. I mean, you assume at Power Forward, Paul Millsap and Trey Lyles uh, are, are the two guys that they're going to go with uh moving into next season but you know watch one if he well, really wants to get minutes he's got to be able to play small forward too. uh who would you rather have marquise chris or Wancho <laughs> hernan gomez uh for the nuggets currently just in general just in, well in general in a vacuum i'd probably want chris uh i think he, he's the more overall talented player but um on the nuggets i might say Wancho just because i think you know well, they already got Jokic and Plumlee and well, Chris, I, I, could just, more of a I could just see Wancho being like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go sign with this European coach in Phoenix once my contract's done. And the Suns are like, hey, yeah, we are gonna we're, we will gladly let Marquise, Marquise Chris walk. And you can play next to John Dere Ayton or Luka Doncic, and you can space the floor, you can rebound, you can add some like length on defense, and like you, you make smart basketball plays. And then he's going to go down to Phoenix, sign for like three years, Fifteen million dollars, and then like be this guy that every you know he's going to average like eleven points and six rebounds, and you're just like, oh, he looks so solid. He's just this like reliable guy in their rotation, and you're just like, man, that could have been him in Denver, and just right. filled with regret. Right? Yeah, I I could see it. I could see it as well um, that he he ends up being a guy to get away. I hope not, though. I, I think Wancho definitely is the guy. I think that. Uh, he's got the high, higher ceiling of him and Malik. All right, I want to switch it up. I want to get into uh, at least be able to talk about the game one uh, of the NBA Finals before we get out of uh, get out of here on today's show. Um, I mean, do we start with the obvious? With, with, with I mean, J.R. Smith and the not knowing the score of the game. <laughs> that that is such a what talk about such a deflating way to lose. And, and, and I look at it and I don't wonder now if I'm like. All right, does that is that pretty much the series right there? Like, is it already over? Because because how do you come back from losing like that? Do you see it like that, or do you see it, the Cavs as kind of a maybe? The, I mean, they they played Golden State in Golden State down to the wire and had them dead to rights. Um, 
Is that is that something yeah, they could build off of? They also needed 51 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists yeah. from LeBron James to be tied at the end of regulation. So there's there's not very many op- moments in NBA history where a player scores 50 points with 8 rebounds and 8 assists in the NBA Finals. And it almost looks like LeBron's going to have to do that. It's like, like what he has to average. Four more t- He's going to have to do that four more times in order for them to be in a position to win four games in this series. Um, I I mean, he's. I think he's the greatest player of all time. He could do that, uh, which is ridiculous and insane to say, but like, I don't think that he's going to be able to score 50 points with eight rebounds and eight assists every night. Um, I think, I think JR, you know, and winning game one would have been really huge. They had stolen home court from the very beginning and set a set of tone for the series. And uh, JR kind of messed that up. He messed right. it up at the end of the first half, gambling for a steal and letting Steph hit a three-pointer from like 35 completely feet. Completely shift the momentum. Right. And then at the end of the game, uh, thinking that his team was ahead, not passing to LeBron for a three-pointer, dribbling out the clock, and just and then seeing his team lose in overtime. And now they have to win four out of six games against one of the best teams of all time. Right. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's you really and you it, I look at it. Game two is now pretty much a must win for for Cleveland because they have to they really have to steal one of these first two home games um, because I feel like when I look at Cleveland, I feel like, OK, if they even if they're at two two, if the series is tied two uh, two at the end of four games, then it starts to swing more into their favor because one of two things has to happen. Just like when I, this is why I thought Golden or Boston, I wasn't going to win no matter what happened after, uh, after they let Cleveland tie it up in Game Four. That's why I thought Game Four was a must-win for Boston uh, in their series. Because if you get tied two-two with Cleveland and uh, you know, and they have Game Six at home, what it means is one of two things happens: you're either going to have to beat LeBron on his home court, or you're going to have to beat LeBron in a Game Seven. Um, if but if there's uh, if they don't get one of these home games against uh the Warriors, I just I just have a feeling that Golden State's going to be able to steal at least one in Cleveland. So if you don't get this game against the Warriors in Golden State, now I think you're you're really uh you're really up against it. Uh, if 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 you're the Cavaliers, because the Warriors are obviously not the Boston Celtics, they are uh quite a <laughs> bit more talented, and and that's going to be a much tougher. There's a pretty big gap between Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant. Yes, pretty big gap. Now the the gap, if you ask Danny Ainge, um, the gap very between small. I say very small, and, and then uh, really uh, Terry Rozier, Terry good. Rozier, or Steph Curry. That might be an advantage, Boston. Uh, if you're talking with Danny Ainge, and so um, that. Uh, <laughs> We're getting way, we're getting way off track here. I guess I don't know, Dan. Like, so what do you, what do you think? Are, is Golden State going to end up sweeping uh, the Cavaliers, or, or what is? It? Is this like a five game series now at best? Um, I think I, I thought it was going to be a sweep from the beginning. I still think it's going to be a sweep. I think the way that Cleveland does overcome this is just like, hey, you know what? We just need to execute just a little bit better. We were right there. You know, we make one more free throw, we make one more three-pointer, we get one more offensive rebound put back, we win the game. But, like, we're going to have to have that same intensity on offense and defense. Um, we're not going to be able to turn the ball over. We need to shoot a little bit better from three. But, like, we we can keep pace with these guys on their home court. We just need to be just a little bit better. You know, like, like LeBron said when he was leaving the press conference, be better tomorrow. You know, and if they can do that... Um, and, you know, and the Warriors aren't playing. I feel like they kind of had like a B-minus effort in that game. If the Warriors are going to play like that again, and Iguodala's out, um, and Clay Thompson's not at 100%, maybe there's a chance it goes six or seven games. And yeah. we know what happens when LeBron gets into game six at home, uh, facing elimination, and then how he performed in game seven. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what I, I agree. I mean, it's... it's uh... 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, I think all eyes are going to be on this game tonight. Uh, obviously, again, Cleveland, Cleveland, or uh, to me, the, the, it's a, it's so hard to call a game two a must win, but it really is. I mean, you see, uh, it's rare if a team goes down 2-0 in the finals. It's rare um, to see them come back and, and end up getting the victory. I think. I mean, the last time I can think about it happening was what? Well, well it was probably uh, when Cleveland went down three one right against. Uh, in Golden State just two seasons ago. <laughs> but uh, before that, I was like, the only other time I think that was when the Dallas went up 2-0, right, against the Heat uh, way back oh, in the, the way 2000s. Around. Or the Heat. the Heat. The Heat went up 2-0 on Dallas, and Dallas won four straight. Isn't it, didn't it go the – but it went the other way, too. When when the Heat beat the Dallas in, um, in the finals, back when Dwayne Wade won his first ring, I think that – I think it was Dallas went up 2-0 uh, on the Heat. And oh, really? They, they won four in a row, yeah. That's 12 years ago. Are we in the NBA Finals <laughs> trivia part? Because I'm, I'm going to do terrible. Yes, yes. That was that was the opening to the NBA Finals trivia. All right. Oh, Dan, um, so LeBron James, what he passes, uh, he pla- passes Michael Jordan uh, for for all time NBA Finals scoring um, lead or, or in the in NBA all time final scoring record books who is the leader all time in the nba finals for scoring points that would be kareem abdul jabbar you are incorrect oh. believe it or not that was a good test kareem is second actually so that was a good guess oh. uh but it is jerry west of the la lakers he leads 1679 oh. points lebron has 1247 so he is still over 400 points behind uh jerry west i don't know he may or may not catch him um that's eight more games no i'm just kidding (laughs) right right. exactly exactly um how about question how about this uh do you know who is the nba finals leader in steals michael jordan you are incorrect Oh man, you are terrible! You are you you are not lying. You're terrible at trivia. Uh, it is actually LeBron James. Uh, believe it or not, he leads all uh, all players in steals. Second is actually Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan is fourth uh, in all time with 358. LeBron James has 415. All right, and the very last one to close it out: Who holds the record for most Finals MVP awards? Um, I'm gonna guess Michael Jordan. I think you. I I think I heard like there's some clicking on the on the keyboard there. No, no, there wasn't. (laughs) No, you are correct. Of course, it is Michael Jordan. Yes, he has the record with six six Finals MVPs um, to his name. Of course, Michael Jordan six trips. Greatest player of all time. (laughs) Second. Oh, we do not have time for that debate as we are out of time here on. Uh, the Pig Axe Pundit Show. So, uh, you guys, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Zach Mikosh. Dan is at Minuteman Dan. Um, of course, also follow Denver Stiffs at Denver Stiffs. And then Nothing But Net Radio is at NBN Radio. Um, make sure you are following us over on Instagram at The Denver Stiffs and then on Facebook as well uh give us a follow and a like there pretty much you guys want to be hitting all the social media platforms because there's going to be unique content uh on all of them all throughout the year and if i were you uh i would probably be especially paying attention on the evening this upcoming wednesday june 6th you might just see some cool stuff coming out, some cool details coming out in real time. Uh, if you're following us on about social media platforms, <laughs> we <laughs> we might be talking about evolution, right? Uh-huh. Uh, boom. <laughs> uh, uh, lastly, if you guys are listening to the podcast version of this, if you could uh, subscribe and leave a rating, we would much appreciate it. All right, Dan, thank you very much, sir, for another great show. Hey, we got to talk about Tyler Light. I'm happy. There it is. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.